Thank you, Callie. Take your Bible, turn to the book of John, chapter number 17. John, chapter number 17. I don't normally take requests, but somebody requested me preach on this verse, and the more I got looking at it, the better I liked it. So, if it goes well, praise the Lord. If it don't, I'll tell you who requested it. John, chapter 17. You glad you're saved? How many of you'd rather be at a ball game right now than be here? How many of you'd rather be sitting out in the bleachers right now in the rain watching your team lose than be right here right now, huh? Stand with me, please. Let you just stretch your legs. I've been trying to stretch my legs since I was a teenager. I hadn't worked. I'm still as short as I've ever been. In fact, I think I've lost an inch. Used to be 5'8", now I'm 5'7". I don't know what happened. I'm going to have to get me some dress shoes that's got a camouflage heel in them makes me look taller, but I don't want to wear high heels. I just don't, I don't know. 17, 17, are you there? Sanctify them. Read it with me. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We're going to preach on that tonight, amen. Thy word is truth is truth. Y'all about wore me out this morning. I'm exhausted. My voice is gone. But if Lord will help me, I'll preach again, all right? Lord, we need you now to help us expound the scriptures, encourage, edify the people of God. Take the word message tonight. Use it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Chapter 17 of John is a powerful, amazing, intimate chapter. In fact, I've got a book as I've been moving my, all of my books from upstairs down into my new library, uh, which I'm almost finished setting up. I've got about 30 minutes more of setting stuff up, and I'll be, I'll be, uh, it'll be open for tours. <laughs> tours. I've got a book in my office about that thick on John 17. That thick on this one chapter. This chapter right here is so rich. As I, as I was working on this message, I almost didn't preach this message because I was thinking about preaching a series out of this chapter. It's that rich. Every verse is a message. In some verses, half the verse is a message. It's, this, this, by the way, is the Lord's Prayer. Okay? A lot of people confuse it with the model prayer. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray, they didn't say teach us how to pray. They said teach us to pray. He said when you pray, you pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven. And he goes down through that, hallowed be thy name. That's the model prayer. This, John 17, is the Lord's prayer. And the disciples have the distinct honor of sitting there and listening to this prayer. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I don't know how many times I've read it. I don't know how many times I've preached in this chapter. And it is still so far over my head that I can't even begin to comprehend the level of communication between God the Son and God the Father in John chapter 17. But you get to verse number 17, and he makes a statement, a powerful statement. And so tonight, I want to just, we just want to dig in that one verse a little bit, touch, touch a few high spots, okay? There's a series, there's a series in verse 17. There's a, there's a series on sanctification. There's a series on the Word of God. There's a series on truth. You could preach three series out of that verse. It's that deep. 
but we're going we're to hit the high spots tonight, all right? So hang on for the ride. Here we go. Three things by way of introduction that I want you to notice about verse number 17. First of all, it's personal in its reference. It's personal in its reference. He says, sanctify them, them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. <laughs> he's, he's been praying about, he, he was praying for us and about us this whole chapter. All the way back in verse three, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee. Huh? What about that? Look at verse six. I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And now they have kept thy word. All these thems and days is us, the believers, the Christians, the church. Verse seven, now they have known that all these things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I have come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. What about that? Jesus. Talk to the Father. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these uh, are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in, my, in thy name. By the way, when Jesus is praying in verse number 12, he's talking about being on the earth in the past tense. He's still there. While I was with them in the world, he, he's in the room with them. But he's talking, never mind. I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Talking about Judas Iscariot, who by the way never was saved. He didn't get saved and lose his salvation. Just want to clear that up. Now, now come out of thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they, still talking about us, the disciples, the Christians, the believers, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Why did God save us and leave us here? Why didn't he just take us to heaven? Well, he could have, but he decided not to. He decided to leave us here to make a difference. They are not of the world, verse 16, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. So the them is talking about the Christian, the believer. And it goes on down and says in verse number uh, 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He's talking about you, me, all of us. Not just the ones that was in the upper room, but those of us that was gonna get saved. Not the ones that had already been saved, but he was praying for you. He was praying for you before you was ever born. We sing that song, while, while, uh, I, while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He's praying for you and for me in 2020 in the upper room, John 17. I told you this is over my head. So who's the them? Well, it's personal in its reference. You can't read John 17, but what you see, two things. God, Jesus loved his father, and Jesus loves us. <laughs> It's personal in its reference. Number two, it's passionate in its request. Sanctify them through thy 
truth. Jesus was passionate about the truth. And that stands to reason, seeing how in John 14 he said, I am the truth. Jesus was passionate about the truth. He was passionate about people believing. And we just read that back in verse number eight. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and they have believed that thou didst send me. He was passionate about the truth. I am the truth, Jesus said. Sanctify them through thy truth. Not only was it personal in its reference and passionate in its request, but it was powerful in its revelation. What did he say? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What a statement. What a statement in the day and age in which we live where truth is just about impossible to get a hold of. I thought about this. Truth's a powerful thing. A lie is a powerful thing. Deception is a powerful thing. You can read where it says in the last days they are deceived and being deceived. Not only can we be deceived by others, but we can deceive our own selves. That's what he talked about in James, looking into that mirror, walking away, forgetting what manner of man you are. This man being a forgetful hearer, just deceived. They deceive themselves. This is powerful. Deception is powerful. But can I tell you what's more powerful than deception and lies? That's the truth. It's powerful. Truth is a powerful thing, which is one reason why the, the day and age in which we live in, they're trying to censor the truth. If you put something on your Facebook or on your social media about voting in person versus mail-in voting, you got all these uh, vote, mailing in person or, or, or mailing it in or voting, you got these fact checkers that take what you're, you're commenting and they're fact checking you. You know, it, was, it wouldn't be something if, if, if Silicon Valley was as passionate about this truth as they was misinformation, quote unquote misinformation, if they went to the trouble to block out and blur out pornography and child pornography and sex traffickers. Wouldn't it be a blessing if, if, if social media giants were as, as diligent in blocking filth as they are in conservatives and the truth? That's a novel concept. John 8, the Bible says, then said Jesus in verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. If you are saved by the grace of God, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you know the truth when you hear it. I believe that with all my heart. Now the natural man, the unsaved person, the unbeliever understandeth not the things of God, neither indeed can he because he's spiritually discerned. They're going to hear a lie and think it's true. They're going to hear something that's way off theologically, but they're going to, if it sounds good, they're going to fall for it. But a person that has the Holy Spirit living within him that has no excuse in falling for false teachers, false doctrine, and heresy because we have the one that wrote the truth living within us to open our eyes and our, our understanding to the truth of the Word of God. I don't know how to, maybe I need to preach a message someday on the smell test, but I don't even know how to explain it. Either you smell it or you don't. They say this COVID causes people not to be able to smell and taste. If you get a certain, I guess a certain strain of it, 
talked to somebody the other day, I think it was sister, uh, one of the ladies that was here the other night, said, I still can't smell, still can't smell. I know some people's got spiritual COVID. They can't smell. You know I'm getting distracted as I'll get out right now. One of the disqualifications in the Old Testament for the priest was if they had a crooked, crooked nose. They couldn't be a priest if they had a bent or crooked nose because that's where you smell. That's your discernment. <laughs> we got a lot of priests. You're priests, by the way. You're kings and priests. Did you know that? Look at the person beside you and say, I'm a king. I'm a, I'm, I'm a priest. We got a lot of people don't have, they got, they got, they got bent, they got crooked noses, bent noses. They can't smell. They don't have a discernment. There's no excuse for that if you're saved. I'm getting distracted. Y'all quit. I'm trying to preach. Shall know the truth. When you're saved, you hear the truth. Something inside of you goes, mm, that's the truth. And when you're saved and you hear a lie, something inside you says, mm, that's not right. Shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We talk about how powerful the truth is. Yes, a lie is powerful. Yes, deception is powerful, but the truth is powerful. And the Bible says the truth will make you free and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So let's look at this verse for a little bit tonight. Just hit some high spots. But we're gonna start at the end and work backwards. Three things I'm gonna look at. Now, first of all, let's look at the scripture. Thy word is truth. He's talking about the Bible. John said, thy word is truth. The most loved book in all history is the Bible. The most hated book in all history is the Bible. The Bible's the number one best-selling book of all time. You know, the Bible's the most printed book of all time. In fact, Johannes Gutenberg invented the first movable printing press back in the 1400s. He didn't invent printing. He invented the first movable printing press. He took what the Chinese people did in the 12th century and completely changed it and, and, and invented a new way to print for the sole purpose of mass-producing Bibles. 1400s. What about that? By the way, I, I'm not mistaken, if my history is correct, he was printing Bibles in the very same house Voltaire said that, that before he died, the Bible would be annihilated and be gone. What about that? Um, that was fake news. <laughs> Amen. 66 books in this Bible, yet it's just one book. Bears witness of one God, one gospel, one plan of salvation, one central theme from Genesis all the way to Revelation, Jesus Christ. There are 31,174 verses in the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter. Psalm 119 that we preach from this morning is the longest chapter. The two middle verses in the Bible are Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. The two middle verses. You want me to read them to you? Sure you do. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's verse 8. Verse 9 said it's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in princes. I think God's telling us something. Right in the middle of the Bible, he tells us to put our confidence in God rather than man. The Bible was written over a space of 1,600 years by 40 different authors from every possible walk of life and background. Starting with Moses at 1500 B.C. to John the Beloved at 100 A.D. 
and there's not one contradiction in that Bible. They perfectly complement one another. They refer to each other. They quote each other. This one prophesies over here and it's fulfilled over here. It's one of the most fascinating things as a, as a, as a Bible student. I don't like to use the word Bible scholar. A, a scholar means the master of a subject. I've yet to meet one. That's a, that's, a, that's a master of this book right here, but I've met some phenomenal Bible students. Dr. Sammy Allen said, I'm a student, I'm not a scholar. Well, if he's not a scholar, I don't know too many people. Brother Stenet Blue said the same thing. He said, I'm a student. I said, I can, settle for, I can settle for being a student, amen. There's a lot more in there that I don't know than I do know. Huh, come on now. The Bible's broken down into two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Augustine, who said a lot of crazy things, got one thing right. Here's what he said about the Bible. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. <laughs> Old Testament as well as New Testament is broken down into four separate categories. We call it the four by four construction method. We learned this in Bible college a few years ago. James is nodding his head. He remembered something, praise the Lord. The Old Testament is divided into the Pentateuch or the law. Then you've got history and you've got wisdom. You've got prophecy. You get over the New Testament, it's broken down into four categories. You've got the gospels, you've got history, you've got the epistles, and it's also prophecy. And it would be impossible in a lifetime. It would be impossible for somebody, much less in one message, to explain the importance of this book right here. Everything we know about God, everything we know about his son Jesus Christ, everything we know about salvation and the gospel and heaven and hell and how to please God, all of that's found right here in this book. If you haven't already fallen in love with this Bible, you need to. If you got saved, when you got saved, there should have been a natural hunger and thirst for the word of God. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Talking about this right here. Just like a baby. Never seen a baby born and they have to bring in a coaching staff to coach it and teach it how to be hungry. I've yet to see that. Seen, seen some had a hard time eating. I've seen some of them maybe to eat as much as they should, but you don't have to teach a baby that's born to, to, to want milk. That's just a natural desire. You get saved, there's a natural desire for the word of God. I love hearing testimonies of people that got saved. First thing they did was just started devouring their Bible. They took it to work with them, had it in their locker, read it on their break, read it at lunch, kept it in their car, kept it in their truck, everywhere they went. Every time they had five minutes, they was reading their Bible. That's a good sign you got saved. It's also not a good sign if you say you're saved, but you don't have a love and a, and a passion for the word of God. I'm grateful for the word of God. It's, it's my best friend. I'm not trying to sound spiritual this evening, but I think about the Bible all the time. Wake up in the middle of the night thinking about the Bible. Bible verses, truths, precepts, concepts, the minute I wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing that comes to my mind. We got home from lunch, which my Sunday routine's pretty, pretty much in stone. I get up here early, 7, 7.30, sometimes before that. Study, get ready for church, preach, go home, get a shower, eat a bite of lunch, come straight back down here, study all afternoon. We sit at the table. I said, y'all pray for me tonight. I don't know what I'm preaching. I said, I ain't had a chance to think about it. I've been so, been so busy chewing on that this morning. I said, but now I've got to preach again. 
And when you preach that much, you just don't have a chance. You don't have an option but to think about the Bible. Amen. You better. I ain't going on joelosteen.com and microwave one of his messages. I can tell you that. You'd need to do more than microwave it. Amen. You need to build a bonfire under that joker. <laughs> Stay in that book. I'm telling you, that Bible right there is amazing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But there's nothing to me more awesome than hearing somebody preach a passage of scripture that I didn't preach 15 times, and when they get done preaching it, it's as if I never even read it before. I don't know whether to shout or get mad. <clears throat> that Bible's so alive, it's so, it's so rich. There's just layers and layers and layers and layers of help and truth. I, somebody said, I read the Bible, I didn't get nothing out of it. You didn't read much. You might have got hung up over there in the begat section, all right? You got to get past the begat section. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that, that might get a little dry, but I'm telling you right now, you can't read much of this Bible, but what you can't get some help. It ain't like the refrigerator where you can go stand in front of it and ain't nothing in there that suits you. You've been there before, you want a snack, and you go stand in front of the refrigerator, and all that's in there is dill pickles and milk and some butter. Well, I ain't can't do much with that. And you walk away forlorn. This Bible right here is alive. It's because it's the Word of God. Not only do we see the Scriptures, but secondly, write this down, we see the source, and this is what makes it so good. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's not just the word, it's God's word. This book doesn't contain the word of God. It is the word of God. Amen. Every, every word, every letter, every comma in there is the breath of God. When Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, not one jot or one tittle. Brother Daniel could help us with that a little bit. He knows a little bit of Hebrew. That's the, help me out now. Don't make me look bad in front of the whole church. But in that Hebrew, as you're writing, that's those little, those little marks and those, what we would call like apostrophes and little marks, right? The little apostrophes, the little commas, the little dotting the I's and crossing the T's. He said not one jot or one tittle of his word will pass away. All of it's his word. I like it. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Man should not live by bread alone. Help me out. But by every word. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's not one word in that Bible that's just in there for filler. There's not one word in this Bible that don't have a purpose and a meaning to make the sentence and make the, the truth come alive. Why? It's God's word. Jesus is talking to his heavenly father who is the author of the scriptures. Mm, the source of our truth is none other than God. What do you say? Let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, but they're experts. You know what an expert is? It's a spurt under pressure. <laughs> He's the source of truth. If he said it, that settles it. I've seen bumper stickers that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, God said it, 
That settles it whether you believe it or not. You and I believing it doesn't validate the word of God. Come on now, help me out. It's the truth whether you believe it or not. The source of our authority is God. 2 Peter 2, 1, chapter 1, verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. We just told you 40, approximately 40 different authors over 1,600 years penned the scriptures. What we have today, the canonized scripture of God. But the Bible's very clear that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That word moved in the Greek means born along, carried. Just like I'm holding this pen right here and this, in my hand. And as I'm writing, this pen is being moved, carried along, born along. That's what those individuals were that God used to give us the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Many of them didn't even understand what they were writing. You read the end of the book of Daniel, you read the book of Daniel and go, man, I don't even know what Daniel's talking about. Well, don't feel bad. Daniel didn't know what he was talking about. That's been one of the most encouraging verses in the whole Bible. When Daniel, after he got done writing the book of Daniel, said, God, I don't know what this means. God said, don't worry about it. Just go on back to the house. That's what it says. Lord, what do these things mean? God said, don't worry about it. I just needed you to write down some stuff for the church. They'll figure out later. They'll decipher later. Come on now. That's how powerful God is. People can't reconcile the free will of man with the sovereignty of God. They have a hard time. Calvinists, they bog down on that. They can't get past the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. For them, there's a clash. I'm going to tell you, if I was going to bog down on something, I'd bog down on the word of God being given through man. Talk to me now. It's God's word, but he chose to put it not only through the hand and heart of man, but the different books have the, own, the personalities and the literary styles of the authors. <laughs> I thought you said it was the word of God. It is the word of God. But you can tell by reading it, that's Paul writing, that's John writing, that's James writing. I know he somehow or another allowed them, come on now, he allowed them to be able to write what he said in their style and in their verbiage and it still be the word of God. Preacher, I need you to explain that to me. I can't. I just know what the Bible says. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You think for one second David knew when he was writing those Messianic Psalms what he was talking about on every single one of those? Do you think he did? Come on now. Is everybody still with me? Is this too deep for you? Thy word is truth. Not just anybody's word, but God's word. He's so powerful he gave us his word and allowed man to write it. Allowed man to write it down. And we got people today who says, well, I just, the original manuscripts are all gone. We don't have the original manuscripts. God inspired the original manuscripts. We don't have the original, we don't have the originals. All we've got now is copies. You're telling me that God's powerful enough to give us the inspired word of God, but he's not powerful enough to preserve it? You're telling me God can give it, but he can't hang on to it? I believe in the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Don't come to me after the service and say, well, I read this verse. I don't believe that's the word of God. I don't want to hear it. 
You can go tell that to somebody else. I believe it's all the word of God. Power, and there's power in this book. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's something about hearing the word of God that has a powerful effect in the hearts and minds of, of people. Amen. Why do we send missionaries around the world? So they can hear the gospel. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. So we have to send somebody to preach the gospel so that lost people, when they hear the gospel, they can be quickened by the Holy Spirit at the hearing of the word of God because the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's get to this fourth, this third point. We see the scripture. We see the source. We see the sanctifying, number three. Of course, we're going to start at the back of the verse and go backwards. We see the scripture. We see the source. We see the sanctifying. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That word sanctify means to make holy, to consecrate, to sanctify, to dedicate to separate, to set apart for God. That's what it means, set apart. This green mic is set apart from the rest of all those other microphones. If somebody comes up here to sing, or somebody needs to make announcements, or I want to hand this, this green one is set apart from the rest of them. This one is, is different from the other ones in that it's where I can get my hands on it real quick. Come on now. And Jesus in John 17 was praying for you and for me that God would sanctify us, set us apart so God could put his hands on us and use us real quick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell you what sets us apart, this book. What sets us apart as believers from other believers or from unbelievers is our relationship with this book right here. Now stay with me. All this up to this point has been good. But this right here is where we fish to sink our teeth into. This right here is what Jesus was praying about. We believe this book to be our final authority for all matters of faith and practice. Maybe I should speak for myself. I don't want to speak for you. But I'm telling you right now, this Bible is my final authority for all matters of faith and practice. Everything in my life, everything in my universe, everything in our home, everything in my marriage, everything in my family revolves around what did God say? What did God say? I'm not interested in the latest fads, fashions. I'm not interested in what Dr. Bottlestopper has to say. I'm not interested in what the experts have to say. I'm not interested in what the TV evangelist says or the guy pastoring 5,000 people says. I want to know what's the Bible say. What's the Bible say? That's all I need to know. What's the Bible say? And if the Bible says it, that's all I need. Now, we need more people like that. We really do. But what we got, we got people to pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe. Some people posting on my, po uh, responding to my, I put something out on social media this morning about the come out 2020. I put that Bible verse I quoted this morning. 
I just said, this is what I think about come out. And I put the Bible verse. And I got all kind of people responding on there. You know, you Christians don't know how to love people. You judge not, lest you be judged. You know, if I hear that verse one more time from a person, that that's the only verse in the whole Bible that they know, I think I'm going to puke. It's the only verse in the Bible they know. Judge not, lest you be judged. I, I don't even respond to them because you're casting your pearls before swine. Truth of the matter is, this, what this Bible says is all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in what's politically correct, what the fads or the fashions are. I'm not interested. Well, preacher, people don't really preach on that no more. Well, I don't know what to say other than they need to get back to the preaching the Bible. Get back to preaching the Bible. We believe this Bible is our final authority for all matters of faith and practice. Well, Pastor really nobody else is doing that anymore. I don't care. And I'm not being ugly. You do whatever you want to do. I'll still love you. I'm not... I'm not going to come to your house and, and beat you over the head with the King James Bible because you ain't doing it. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do what God said, and I don't care who else does it with me. I don't care. I don't care how many pastors and preachers are, are preaching or not preaching. I don't know how many people's come to me in the last two weeks and Pastor Schiff, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody preach against abortion as much as you do. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I feel bad I don't preach on it more than I do. Killing babies, something we ought to probably hit every service if we can. The effectiveness of a believer is directly proportional to their adherence to this Bible. Let me say that again. Listen carefully. The effectiveness of a Christian, of a believer, is directly proportional to their adherence or their following of this book right here. Our ability to stand apart from the world is based on our obedience to the Word of God. Sanctify them, set them apart, sanctify them through thy truth. The more of the truth of the word of God that they have, that they follow, that they obey, that they listen to, the more sanctified they will be, the more set apart they will be. And boy, if that's not true, I don't know what is. You want to be a fuddy-duddy in 2020? Just believe the Bible. You don't even have to be mean about it. You don't have to be abrasive. You don't have to be confrontational. You can just say, I believe the Bible. And psh, all of a sudden, here comes the arrows and the stairs and the and the slurs and the remarks and the comments, oh, you're one of them. Imagine what would happen if you was all in, and I mean 100% all in with this Bible right here. How set apart you'd be. Our availability to being used of God is based on our sanctification. You say, I want God to use me. Do you really? Think about that a minute. Before you, before you, hurt yourself, patting yourself on the back. Do you really want God to use you? Because what's going to happen is he's going to set you apart to use you. I was working on this library over here. Several of the men helped me. Danny down here on the second row, he's a good carpenter. Good carpenter is what he's doing. It's good having him on the job. Just pointing. He knows exactly what to do. He's got a toolbox. I had little plastic totes full of tools but I've only got a few of them in my pouch I set those apart because I use them the most I don't carry that big tote around with me in the room I'm going somewhere I take the ones I use the most and the ones that I'm more apt to use and I put them on my belt in my pouch in my nail apron 
so I can get my hands on them. Now I'll have three or four torpedo levels. I'll have two or three squares. I got a half a dozen tape measures. I got six or eight hammers, but they're all over there in that box. The ones I'm going to use is the ones I can put my hand on. Come on now. Could you imagine that hammer walking around? I'm going to walk around in my office working and that hammer saying, I wish I could be over there with all the mother hammers. I don't even know what they're talking about. You got me all over here by myself. Everybody's looking at me. And why, is he, why is he so different? When I was a kid, I heard a story called Talking Tools. Never forgot it. Uncle Charlie at a children's Bible hour. How many of y'all remember that? Children's Bible hour. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Talking tools. Tools were all talking. I wonder why I can't be over there with all my buddies. Why I'm over here? Because you're special. He wants to use you more than he wants to use them. You've got to be set apart. You've got to be sanctified. Is everybody still with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Can I give you some Bible for that? 2 Timothy 2, 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. <laughs> Say, I want God to use me. Then you got to be sanctified. Well, how do you get sanctified? You're sanctified through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Your level of sanctification is directly proportional to your adherence and obedience to the word of God. When you hit a snag with a truth in this book, you just hit a snag in your level of usability. When you balk, stay with me, when you balk at something in that Bible and you go, ah, I don't know about all that. You just balked at God being able to use you. You just limited God's ability to use you. Huh? Brother, brother, brother James had a brand new pair of wire cutters, nice pair of wire cutters. He was helping me install my wiring for my lights. He reached up to cut a wire, and it was hot. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the man could speak in tongues, but he speaks fluent tongues. Man, sparks flying, white lights popping. Woo! I said, man, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. What happened? I, I didn't know that was hot. He looked down at his wire cutters, brand new wire cutters. There's a hole in them. Mm-hmm. You know what he said? He took them back in his pouch. Says, anybody got any more wire cutters? You know what happened? Anybody got any more wire cutters? Can't use these. These are messed up. But fortunately, they had lifetime warranty. He just walked in the store and said, look here. They said, get you another pair. He didn't have to go to the cash register. He just went and got another pair off the shelf. But they were, they were damaged. They, re, they responded wrong <laughs> to the power. <laughs> Woo! They got, they got messed up 
too much truth. Woo! And you know what he had to do with them? Set them to the side. Well, I know some church members like that. They come to church and the preacher gets up and preaches and boy, God just unloads the truth on them. They go, whoa, I don't know about all that. And they get all warped and bent out of shape and fouled up. Guess what you just did? You just limited God being able to use you because you didn't respond to this right. Sanctify them through thy truth. The word of God will set you and I apart so that we can be vessels meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. The sanctification process begins when there's an unquestioned acceptance of the truth of the word of God. The minute you question the word of God, you are setting yourself up as smarter than God. Let me say that again real slow. Whenever you question this book right here, you are questioning God. And by questioning God, you are stating that you are more knowledgeable, more wise, more knowing than an all-knowing. Let me give you a couple little nuggets right here. We're talking about sanctifying. Reading the Bible will sanctify you. Reading the Bible will sanctify you. Acts 17, 11. These were more noble. I'm talking about those in Berea. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the scripture whether those things were so. They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They were exceptional in the eyes of the Apostle Paul because they went home and searched the scriptures. That's amazing. He said the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And here's what he said about those in Thessalonica. Y'all, is everybody still with me? Here's what Paul said. Here was Paul's testimony about the Thessalonians. Here's what he said. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He said, I'm so thankful that when we came and preached the word of God to you that you believed it, you accepted it. But you know what he said about the Bereans? They were more noble than the Thessalonians. In that, they went home and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. How'd they do that? Brother Wayne, how did the people in Berea search the scriptures daily? Apostle Paul would preach. They didn't have CDs. They didn't have video recordings. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have YouTube videos to go back and listen to. Paul would get up and be preaching and say, and the scripture saith, and then he would quote some remote passage of scripture. And then those Bereans would have to go find that piece of scripture from somebody that had it. Because they didn't all have it. Is everybody still with me? They didn't all have all of them have the whole Old Testament scrolls in their hands when they went to church. Paul's up preaching, and the prophet Joel said this, and the prophet Jeremiah said this, and the psalmist David said this. And without CDs and videos and MP3s, they were able not only to remember what he said, but go back and search the scriptures and find it for themselves. Now, that's pretty impressive. That's without any Bible apps at all on their phone. None of them had a Bible app on their iPhone, not one of them. I'm absolutely sure of it. They didn't have Google. They didn't have online Bible. They didn't have none of those Bible apps that we love that's actually crippling us because we can find it so fast we don't even know where it's at in the Bible. They went home and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were seen. You know what Paul said about them? He didn't say, man, those people all just believe me, take my word for it. No, he said they were more noble 
than the people that received it with all readiness of mind. They were more noble in that they searched the scriptures whether those things were so. What am I saying? I'm saying reading your Bible will sanctify you. Obeying the Bible will sanctify you. Psalm 119.9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? Huh? That's a question. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. When you read it and you obey it, as a sanctifying element to it. It'll clean you up, set you apart. It's one thing to read it, it's another thing to do it. James talking about being a hearer of the word, not a doer. Oh, preacher, that message helped me so much. No, it ain't gonna help you till you go home and do it. I'm glad you enjoyed the message, but it's not gonna help you till you implement it. That's like walking out of the doctor's office and going, whoa, I got a prescription. I already feel better. No, you don't. You've got to go fill that prescription and take your medicine. We got the prescription right here, but we're not taking our medicine. Come on now. We got to hear it and do it. We got to learn about it and then we got to obey it. That's how it works. Reading the Bible sanctifies you. Obeying the Bible will sanctifies you. Meditating on the Bible will sanctify you. Meditate. That's the problem with technology today. It's destroyed our ability to meditate. We got something going on in our mind or in our hand all the time. Checking this, checking that, checking this, checking that, checking this. When's the last time you just meditated on the Word of God? I mean, just let that Bible verse, just put that thing in the crock pot and just let that thing simmer. And just all day long, think about that verse. Think about that verse. People ask me all the time, I say, Preacher, I don't know how you got all that out of that verse. I said, Well, I meditated on it for about three days, that's how. It's amazing what you can get out of the Bible if you'll think about it and meditate on it. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth and see the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. Meditate day and night. And what happens? He should be like a tree. See, it separates you. He should be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Meditating on the word of God will set you apart from everybody else. You better believe it. It's amazing. The more you chew on a verse, the more you get out of it. I have to be careful sometimes. I chew on a verse so much it turns into a five message series. First Timothy 4 15, Paul said, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. What about that? He told Timothy, if you'll meditate on the word of God, everybody looking at you will know how much it's helped you. That sounds like sanctifying to me. That sounds like setting apart, God setting you apart. And somebody saying, boy, there's something different about that guy. I'm gonna tell you what's different about that guy right there. He meditates on the word of God all day long. Let me close with this. The more you read, the more you study, let me slow down. The more you read the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, the more you memorize and meditate and listen to and hear and obey and submit to and follow the Word of God, the more sanctified God can help you be. Jesus prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. The more truth and the more of thy word that you and I get, the more sanctified we will be. God will set you apart 
He'll use you in ways you never imagined. God, Jesus prayed for you. I'm done. Jesus prayed. Think about that. Jesus prayed for you to be sanctified through the truth of the word of God. And his word is the truth. This is a secret right here. Fall in love with this book right here and live it and let God do amazing things with your life. Father, we thank you this evening for the liberty to preach or the group of people that are so attentive. Listen, I pray now that you take the message and do something in our hearts. A lot of people say they believe the Bible, but Lord, they're not living it. They say they're Bible-believing Christians, but they really don't believe it. They pick and choose. I pray, God, that you'd help us to just wholeheartedly embrace thy word is truth and I pray that you would sanctify us set us apart that we'd be that we'd be meat for the master's use suitable usable may we have a submissive heart a teachable spirit and Lord if your word contradicts our thoughts may we surrender our thoughts and follow your word if your word contradicts our preconceived ideas, may we chunk those and follow the precepts of the word of God. May Calvary Baptist Church be filled with people that are sanctified, set apart, prepared unto every good work. Altars full, people all over the altar this evening. Do you need to come? Is there something in the Bible that's got you hung up? You say, I just don't know about that. You need to get that.